Welcome to VS Voices. I'm Amanda Decadene. In this episode of Voices, I talk to model and founder Bella Hadid for her first ever podcast. Together, Bella and I talk about how she often felt like the black sheep of her family and how finding therapy in her 20s helped Bella to manage fame at such a young age, prioritize self-care, and expand her creative and entrepreneurial skills. Hi, I'm so excited to talk to you. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited that we're going to be speaking. Me too. Where are you? I am in New York at the cutest women-run studio, and I just feel like I want to hang out here all the time. Anyways, I've never been to a place like this. When I was doing research, I was like, have you done a podcast before? I've never done a podcast. You are my first podcast, and I don't really do a lot of interviews in general because I'm kind of just always nervous. Thank you for trusting me and thank you for being willing to do your first podcast with me. I feel very honored. Thank you. And thank you for having me too. I not only love your podcast, but I feel really comfortable with you. So I appreciate this. And I'm glad that this is my first podcast with someone like you. Thank Thank you. you, Bella. Thank you. Thank you. There's a lot going on in the world. I feel like it's hard sometimes for me to feel like my voice is important because there are so many incredible voices out there. And I just feel I could just stay back here and help out where I can. But I know that I need to step into yourself in that realm. Yeah. Not to finish that sentence for you, but... No, but it's true because I write and I journal and I I have a lot to say and I really am good at putting it out on paper, but people just always have something to say. Even if I said something that made a lot of sense, they would still make fun of my voice and how I said it and this and that. And it's just, you know the deal, but this is the first year I took time away and... I had never done that before, so it was a big experience for me to be able to make the time for myself and kind of experience life without the material and the, you know, cameras and the lifestyle that I had been living for so many years that didn't feel true to me. Mm -hmm. And once I was able to be at a place and take the time for myself and see myself through others' eyes that wasn't just the world's vision of what I was supposed to be. It was really interesting and it was really a lot of clarity for me to really see myself again. I think that's most important is being able to look in the mirror and be proud of the person that you see. And for so long, unless you really do that deep work and you have to be alone and you have to really feel the things that you maybe pushed down and didn't want to feel for many years, that's when I was able to grow in a way that I had never experienced before. I was able to see myself in a way I was never able to see myself and find things about myself that I didn't even know existed within me. What were some of those things? Of course, work is important to pay my rent, but everything else started to make its way above working because I realized how impactful human interaction and family and new hobbies and finding new music, new books. Those things to me are what helps your mind grow. And if you don't have that, your mind stops working. Everything is so connected. Your brain is connected to your gut. If you're not eating correctly, if you're not taking care of yourself, getting vitamin D every day, taking walks, 
that affects your brain, in which I realized all of these things I kept, you know, complaining to myself and almost victimizing myself for the way that I felt because I always felt so bad. And then once I went away for a little while and started listening to my body, I realized like everything is able to be changed by the course of action that you take for yourself, which includes everything, but includes these conversations that we're having now. It includes the way that you eat, working out. I started to not even work out to be toned or lose weight. I had to go leave my house, be with people and human life besides the people at work, and literally just walk to get my heart rate moving. I had purpose that morning. And it almost gives you purpose for the rest of your day. And then the cycle continues, but you stay stagnant if you don't continue. It sounds like you really simplified your life because in many ways, once you started working, your life changed so fast and it picked up speed to the point where you no longer had time to even connect with yourself or know who you were in that time frame because so much changed for you and you changed a lot during that time frame. So it sounds like what I'm hearing you say is that you took time to really get to know yourself, who Bella is today. Absolutely. I mean, coming into this business at 17, 18, I was still just a kid about to go into college, literally trying to see which college I wanted to go to, what I wanted to do with my life, to be put in a box at such a young age, to not be able to grow and find myself. I almost stayed 17 for Mm. so many years and things that happened when I was younger, then I stayed 13, then I stayed eight. Those are the pinnacle moments for me that I realized I had to do the work to be able to go back and fix not even the mistakes, more so the actions of my life. That was pretty much my growth, was being able to say that I am allowed to find myself again. Give yourself that permission. That permission to be able to say who I was at 17. I don't have to be that anymore. I can grow as we all can. And so many of us don't know. Yeah that it is okay to grow and to change. And it's okay to forgive yourself for making mistakes or Mm. making choices that you made with the only information you had at that time. Yeah, absolutely. When I was reading about you, one of the things is that you had described yourself as a black sheep. Is that accurate? Yeah. I always just separated myself from a young age. You know, I was the one kid that would sleep out every night at my girlfriend's houses and just felt more attached to other things in my life than what was given to me. I've always just wanted to see the world from a different perspective and explore. And whether that made me the black sheep or not, I was just unlike my family in a lot of ways. And now as I grow older with them, I've realized so many more similarities with my brother and I were both very spiritual. My sister and I are super similar. She's the more logical one, but I found my boundaries within being the black sheep. To me, what that means is that that you have a perspective and a point of view that isn't considered normal, whatever that is. Yeah, I always felt like my voice was never heard growing up. So that's why I have a lot of complications. Now I'm able to open up and speak my mind, especially within my relationships and within my family. Not so much to the public, like in interviews, that's different. In real personal time. And that's what matters. Yeah, thank you. I grew up around 
men, whether that was in relationships or family or whatever that was, where I was constantly told that my voice was not, was less important than their voice. It's patriarchal where women are just viewed differently and men are the superior They're the ones that run shit and they say what goes and that's just culture. But then moving into relationships growing up, not having the boundaries of being able to stick up for myself and have my voice being heard affected me in my adult relationships very intensely, actually, where I, my nervous system would crash. It was like fight or flight. Either I would become silent and cry and just go inward or I would lash out and leave you know, there's one more. Did you know this? What? There's fight, flight, or fawn. Oh. And fawn. That's the scariest is the one. one. That's the one where you do anything to yeah. appease them mm-hmm. and get them to stay, where you just go into people-pleasing mode. Yeah. That's the other trauma response. Yeah, absolutely. 150%. That's something that I really had to work on, where I constantly went back to men and also women that had abused me. And that's where the people pleasing came in, where I started to not have boundaries, not only sexually, physically, emotionally, but then it went into my workspace where I didn't want to associate with any people. I didn't want to have any friends. I didn't want to have any family. So my work, I became to be a people pleaser with my job. Mm. And it was everyone else's opinion of me that mattered except for my own because I essentially was putting my worth into the hands of everyone else. And that was the the detriment of it. And that was the downfall was even though I know that this is not good for me. You're compelled to do it. Please take all of me instead. Yes. Right. You're compelled to do it. I I think it's a very brave thing to Mm. choose to step away from your life especially when it's going well on the outside. It's a very brave thing to admit that to yourself and to be honest enough with yourself to say, I don't know what to do, but I know that something is really wrong. Right. Was there a moment where you knew, I need to pay attention to myself, something's not right here, or was it cumulative? Cumulative for sure, but it really got to a point and a place where... I looked at everything that I had done over the past eight years. I had the most September covers out of anybody in history. These accolades that I had picked up on the way, I never even realized that they happened. I never was able to pat myself on the back and say, wow, you really did work hard. It was always me in this like dark hole of autopilot, just trying to make it through. You're doing something constantly on a 14-hour day is where they're calling and saying, oh, well, can we just have her for three more hours? And my agent says, no, then they come to me. They push my boundaries yeah. and I'm there till midnight. And then I have to get on the flight the next morning or doing six shows a day with 104 fever, like before COVID, where now it wouldn't fly. No, but only because people would think you might have COVID, not because they were worried about you. <laughs> selfishly, being in it and not having friends or family around ever, missing birthdays, missing weddings, missing everything important, and then losing your friends in that process, and then losing family members, not being able to say goodbye because you're at a job across the world and then you have to fly 24 hours back to another job. There was no substance to me because I had given all that I had to my career and the people in my life and the people in my career 
who essentially couldn't fix anything for me except for maybe a call or two every week. But I had I realized I had to fix that for myself. But my best friend, Jesse Joe, said something to me a few years ago, and it was really, it stuck with me still to this day. She said, when you don't feel constantly good about wherever you are, whatever state of being that you're in, you have to make a change to something different. And I realized I was in this circle constantly of the same routine. Every day, I would work every day. And when I was home and had a few days off, I laid in bed all day. I was exhausted. And so never saw friends, never did this, never did that. And Jesse was always like, you have to change something. You do the same thing every day. Your routine is exactly the same. I always just wanted to make everyone proud, work as hard as I could, be kind, do these things. And I did check those things off of the list. But I realized there was a whole other list I wasn't looking at. And she said, you need to make a change. And every time I felt super down on myself, I realized I was feeling bad for myself, but I wasn't doing anything to change. And when I was able to look at myself and have that, you know, humility and be able to almost see myself from an outside perspective and say, okay, maybe I do need to make a change. We were at her family's house in Aspen and we were all together in our pajamas every day, just spending quality time. And I was just like, wake up in the morning, just crying. Like, what is Bella okay? Like someone would come bring me a bagel or whatever to bed and everyone would be out skiing and snowboarding or whatever. And I would just be like, you guys go without me. It's all good. You lost connection to joy. I lost joy completely. It's a bizarre place to be in because of the fact that, as you said, there's nothing wrong in my life. There obviously are little things that are relationships with family members, people, whatever that might be. We all have our shit. We do. And I can't say that like that part of my life is so perfect, but there are, you know, amazing aspects of my life that there's no reason for me to be this sad. And I would wake up in the morning with this like pain of guilt. But I think that's also something that people, a lot of people can relate to because the same way as someone may have diabetes and it's just, it's a genetic condition. Mental health is, there's many theories. My theory Mm -hmm. is that it's a combination of genetics and environment. And we don't even realize that we're putting ourselves in environments where we neglect ourselves. And what I hear you saying, and what is so great for me to hear you saying is that you realize that actually your relationship with yourself and taking care of yourself mentally, physically, spiritually is the Mm. key. And it is the key, right? And it looks different for everyone. Absolutely. And so I'm interested in what the things are that have helped you to shift your perspective and reconnect with yourself in a way that makes you feel like and obviously, I don't, I'm not saying every day because no one has every day filled with joy. But yeah. what has brought you back to center and brought you back to yourself in a way that has been helpful and nourishing? Number one, staying off social media. Honestly, it sounds very cliche, but to not have the energy of everyone else and their projections being projected back onto you is one of the most powerful things of all time. So that was really number one. Two, therapy. I grew up in a very Arab and European family that therapy was not a thing. 
And I was the first one in my family to go to therapy. So that was a big step forward that progressed kind of my whole family's chance of healing. Because yes. then everyone followed, which was really enlightening for me to see how that domino effect affected our family, which was really amazing. Also, my meditation at night, my meditation in the morning, taking a walk, exercising, making sure that I have my vitamins and all of those things. I feel like we've heard that so many times. And at this point, what I've realized... It's a cliche for a reason because it actually does work. It's a, cli <laughs> it's a cliche for a reason because of the fact that it works. And it's something that when I started it um, and realized it wasn't as hard as everyone said it was, it changed my life 360. And once you start to really understand meditation and comply with it almost and take it in as a routine instead of when you feel anxious, you just put one on and hope for the best. Like a Band-Aid. Like yeah. a Band-Aid. Like you do it as an everyday routine to be able to limit those days instead of just band-aiding over what you hope might help. So when those times do come, you understand how to actually take care of yourself. But honestly, for me, living in... New York, you walk outside and there is every single walk of life that you could ever see. Families, you almost make up stories in your head of what I these people are that. experiencing. Mm. It's my favorite thing to do. And I really do love to do that and walk down the street. But the painful part of it is majority of the people that we do see in New York are going through things. They're going through a lot. This year, I just bought almost a thousand coats just so I can go drop them off to people because it's so brick outside. Like people just need to feel a little bit supported and warm. Being of service to me is not only my love language, but what makes my literal world go round. Those little moments are what make me come out of the way that I feel sometimes. Yeah, you're so right about that. And I think one of the dangers of being in a negative mindset or being overwhelmed with depression is that we isolate mm. and that cuts us off from humanity and yeah. from other people. Absolutely. To also look at yourself, not singularly. We have a whole crew of people that are mentally unstable and I am good to be in that crew and I am happy to be in that crew because I do find the people I connect with most when I am in that crew. I might deal with things differently than somebody else and my life might be more impressive from the outside than somebody else's. But also like there are things that we're also we're dealing with that are so similar that it almost makes you just feel more connected to mm -hmm. the world, to human beings in general. Human interaction is genuinely the form of healing that I think everybody needs to remember. Oh, God, I couldn't agree with you more. I was literally saying that to my husband this morning. And your friend Virgil recently passed and mm. you spent a couple of days with your community and his community and collective grieving is so important to help process loss and sadness. And as someone who is very empathetic, which you are, I'm wondering how that experience was for you. Painful. I don't, I am at a loss for words when it comes to this passing. I almost just feel... <clears throat> 
He's in Paris working and his phone's off. And I think that's how a lot of us, a lot of his friends, my friends, our friends have been dealing with this is for a while it was like out of sight. Like we couldn't deal with the thought of him being gone, but all coming together and being able to celebrate his life in a, a way that we used to celebrate all together It was really powerful because at the memorial, we'd be smiling all together and dancing, and it would feel like he was just hovering. It would feel like he was just right on the other side, and we all felt that way. And all of a sudden, I would look over, and my heart would drop, and I would just start bawling and realize, like, that was just a a fragment of my imagination. And But the best part was that I had 10 people around me that felt the same way. And we were able to just talk about stories and memories and how much we loved him and why. And why he loved us and why we are actually all so similar because of the connection we have with him. And it was really beautiful. And I know that I connected on a different level with so many new people, old people that I've known for so many years that I was able to connect with again. And I hope People felt that same way about their experience with me. I've never dealt with this kind of, besides my grandmother, which was the biggest loss for me a few years ago. Losing a friend like this was just really hard to believe. But I just think about his family and his beautiful wife, Shannon, and their two kids. I just always hope that they know, like they have aunties and uncles surrounding them that go to different universes. Like they have hundreds of people that love them and that will always support. I know that V did that for a reason. I know that he made his circle so wide that his family would be supported forever, mentally, physically, in every form of the word. And he really did that. So we just... I know that his time on this earth was limited because of how much he has to do up there. You know what I mean? And I never knew that. I always believed in afterlife. I always believe in reincarnation, going somewhere else. But not to this extent of how much I believe it, knowing that our friend, our brother Virgil is up there, like literally painting sunsets right now. Do you know what I mean? And that's genuinely how I feel about it. Like he has so much work to do as an angel now. And I know that he's just, he's up there just like DJing life. (laughs) God needed help with a new art director. So (laughs) I think that's pretty much the way that I'm dealing with this. And I realize I'm not super good at grief. Like I don't go through all the steps <laughs> because I just, you know, throw it to the back. But this one, I really, I went through the steps and I'm able to now look at it in a different way and know that there is life, but there's also death. And mm. it's it's the only inevitability, isn't it? That we mm. are born and then we die and everything in between is debatable and we don't know what's really going to happen. That's the painful truth, honestly. And We all do need to prepare for those moments of anyone around you passing. But the thing about V and what we've all learned from it is like the way that Virgil was a person to every single person and he made an impact on everyone's life. And that's why him and I always connected was that him and I are huggers. Like I walk onto set, he walks onto set. I am hugging every person that I see in my line of fire until I start shooting. I go and speak to everybody. I want to hear about stories. I want to hear about their family, what their kids are doing today. Him and I both really 
enjoyed that human interaction. And I think that's why we got along. We're both Libras too. So we just really clicked with that before I start sobbing. I just, I miss him a lot, but I know that he left us with so much. And it's funny, I know the next few years he's going to be dropping little gems, little gems and hints and things. And that's what keeps me excited. And it's just, it's a hard loss, to be honest. Mm. But I know that there's a reason for everything. And that's the worst way to, yeah, I mean, it's the you worst know. way to put it. But it's, it, I don't know. I've gotten to the point where I can't even explain myself over this. There are some things that are just not really easy to put into words. And this is one of them. Right. I wanted to talk to you a bit about creativity because whenever you and I have spoken, you're so motivated and inspired by creativity. In my spare time, I sit and I make decks. That's all I do. When I'm not working, I'm at home on my computer. Oh my god! Literally, my laptop's outside. I would pull, I have like hundreds because it's all that I like to do. When I'm at home, every week I'm in meetings and they just are like, we've never had somebody come in with a new deck every day. And so I really, that's my creative out of all of this. When I, even for work and for jobs, even if they don't ask for it, I'm coming with the references of what hair and makeup and I have covers that will be solely based on my decks that I make. And it's just, that's where I feel heard and seen, like in my modeling part of all of this. Because I'm able to still give that. You come and bring your references because when you can work with collaborators who appreciate you bringing your perspective, you can make magical images. Yeah, absolutely. I also don't want to do it to offend. It's really for my own joy. And so when people really do react to it in a great way and they do appreciate what I've done, like that just, it's... It makes me just feel so much better. Like I always say to my agent, I want to start a creative agency because I just have find so much joy with building those decks and having people converse about them. And when we get to set, we're able to really have those conversations. I love that you bring that to work with you. But I also wanted to ask you if you've thought about any other forms of creativity. Yeah, absolutely. I have three collections I'm designing with separate companies and for that to be able to have a place where I'm able to be creative and put all of my thoughts in one place but also compartmentalize them which is crazy an ADHD brain can't really do that and so it was interesting to see how I was able to for this idea I want it to be all like this and for this idea I want that to be a different person and for this idea she's a different girl too right who's your girl for each one right and maybe they're not all are they not all are they aspects of you or are they different girls no i mean it's what i feel the the world honestly wants i envision these things and i find references and i'm able to put them in order and and that's why it's also for girls and boys like mm-hmm. i don't design for one person, but I think that it is interesting to look at how all of that kind of comes together because I do really think about little details of things and slowly over time, I'll see them actually coming to life in magazines and this and that. And I'm like, that's cool. You thought of that six months ago. Thought about that six months ago and now it's coming into fruition. When is the first thing coming out? When's the first collection coming out? Maybe in the next six months. Wow. So hoping I can probably give you more information in February because January is when, you know, all of the meetings are going to start happening again. Right now I'm super focused on, honestly, Ken, 
So you invested into a company, a drinks company called Kin. How did that come about? I didn't invest any money in it. I'm a 50-50 partner now with my partner, Jen. And it's been, Kin has been around for almost three and a half years now. I've been on board for a little over a year and a half, like coming to two soon. When I came on, it, it was a startup with just my partner, and she's such a hard worker, Jen. She's amazing, but it's not like I walked into a business that was already fresh and done. We still are fundraising and getting investors, and I'm in those meetings every day. I am also a founder, and it is, wow, is it a journey. Yeah, for me, I was a consumer before I even started with them. And I told myself years ago, I would never endorse something that I didn't 100% stand by. I don't do those things on Instagram. That's important to me to be able to keep that realness online. But basically, when I was really, really down and dark, and I was taking GABA every day, I was taking all of these different supplements from my holistic doctor, I found this drink kin. And it was a startup. She had just started it. She's a genius, my partner, Jen. I found her immediately after I took my first sip and it brought me that energy without anxiety. And that's what I always craved. But we walked in all, both of us with all of our crystal bracelets talking about the moon. And I was like, I need this woman in my life, regardless of if we work together or not, the universe brought us together for a reason. And now I'm concocting my first product and the deck that for that. Oh my God, I want to see that deck. That's fun. And then I also have like my merch deck that I'm going to do in collaboration with a friend of mine. She's an incredible artist. And so there's all those different sides of it as well that are super interesting. But yesterday I'm in a business meeting for three and a half hours. And for me, I also realize using your brain makes your brain work better. And that also stems from mental health, too, and being able to... And it builds your self-esteem because you realize, yeah. oh, I'm capable of mm. thinking like this and brain and brainstorming like this and coming up with solutions and building plans and ideating. Yes. And that builds self-esteem because then we feel capable. But also knowing that if I am not on those calls... Yeah, if you're not um, showing up and fully And if I'm not showing up fully this thing is going to go under. That's what's super interesting about it is we really do that work and it is really rewarding because it's not just always going to be the glitz and the glamour and just cash coming in. And so that work Mm -hmm. that we put in is very rewarding and it does really help, again, with my mental. If you don't use it, you lose it. (laughs) Let's talk about writing because I am sure that you have some words in you. For me with writing, it was never something... I just don't get how poets and writers and music artists like to put your whole soul out there and just allow people to have opinions on it is so wild to me. It takes a lot of strength and I just really appreciate that from those apprehension? people. Apprehension? No, not apprehension. Do you um, have apprehension about doing it yourself? I have apprehension about doing it myself, but... Those, all of those people inspire me is what I will say. I've written since I was, you know, 13, but what I write is really personal and it really is really from my heart and it's emotional. And maybe in 10 years from now, I'll be able to get over that being afraid like that. But I don't know. 
I'm just not confident enough. And we don't owe anyone our work. Like I have things that I've written 20 years ago or 10 years ago Mm. that maybe one day I'll do something with, maybe I won't. The important part is that you're just expressing. It's another way to express yourself and connect with yourself which ultimately is is the goal, right? Absolutely. All of the things you're talking about, whether it's working with your businesses, designing your drink, your meditation, taking time to be quiet and be in nature and be around horses, being with your friends. Mm. Everything you've yeah. talked about is about connecting to yourself and all the different aspects of you. And that's the kind of overarching desire that I hear coming from you. Absolutely. I think the future of writing, I love writing in general, being able to write stories and broadening the spectrum of what writing can be for me. And The Artist's Way really helped me with that, which I think we spoke about before. Yeah, I love that book. Julia Cameron. Honestly, she's amazing. And for me, like that kind of open this whole can of worms of being able to find um, almost different inspirations within myself to write about instead of just always being about pain or love or whatever that might be. Like, I also realized I love writing about the gut. I literally love writing about food health. I love writing about brain health. I love writing about daily life with vitamins, doctors. And living with Lyme. You live with Lyme disease and you are really knowledgeable about the things and the tools that have helped you. Mm. That's the thing, right? When you're sick with something, you have to become your doctor in a weird way. You have to become like your number one patient and really educate yourself. Yeah. I have like new IV doctors that come in all the time. And those conversations to me about the things that I've learned, it's crazy. Sometimes these are helpful tools that we can eventually spread out to the world Mm -hmm. and help on a different level, almost on a holistic level, because that's what will heal you more so than an antibiotic or just like hoping for the best. Ultimately, I don't know if you're finding this, but I know for me, all of the things in my life that I thought were going to be my downfall ultimately were the things that helped shape me Mm. and gave me insight, integrity, wisdom, growth in a way that I never would have had if I hadn't have dealt with that period of suffering or health challenge or whatever it was. Absolutely. And that's the good news. (laughs) Yeah, but Amanda, honestly, like the thing about that, I think about it all of the time where I, at 17, I was either going to go to Parsons for photography and film or live with my best friend Yasmin in San Francisco and go to USF for film and ride horses. And I was close to home in San Francisco and I was going to, you know, continue to help at the barn I was riding at and just live that life. And I was like perfectly fine with that. And when my Lyme hit me really badly when I was 16, and I wasn't able to ride my horse anymore. By 17, I wasn't riding, which was like my one, the thing that I love the most, which I said before. And photography, like in high school, I never left the house without my camera. I developed all my film in the dark room. And I love you. So those that. two passions for me were like just something that I really took with me. But I realized that if my Lyme didn't get as bad in high school, when I was making those massive life decisions of what am I going to do with my life, I would have completely just stayed in in California, riding my horses, 
doing photography, having like my little photography website I used to have and called it a day. But instead, I like pushed myself, moved to New York, had to make a huge decision to go to Parsons instead. And it was a conscious decision I made, but also so subconscious because I didn't realize like the life that I was almost setting up for myself. Isn't it amazing how it turns Super out? Super interesting. I mean, that is the foundation for faith mm. because often, I don't know about you, but for me, I cannot see at the time that there is some kind of divine plan. And then when I look back, oh, that's why that happened. Yeah, exactly. And I always say everything happens for a reason. Again, me being naive, obviously, but I really do believe that in some ways, except for death, that still doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I'm just honestly really needed. This is like my best Christmas present from you. Oh, so you're you. so sweet. You're so sweet. I wish that I was sitting close to you so I could just give you a heart to heart hug. I'm squeezing you from here. Thank you, Bella. Thank you. Thank you, honestly. Thanks for showing up and bringing your beautiful open heart. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This is VS Voices, a brand new original podcast series by Victoria's Secret. Listen here or wherever you get your podcasts.